0: Welcome to the Judging More Than Just the Cover podcast. I'm Amber Gregg. I'm Kate Oda.
1: And I'm James Moore.
0: And tonight we are going to be talking about The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue by V.E. Schwab. It is a fantasy magical realism book about Addie who basically makes a deal with the devil to uh, be able to live her life outside of the norms and old France so and to get out of marriage and and having to settle down. So she gets to basically live forever with the condition that no one is going to remember her. So it takes place in France and parts of Europe and then also in New York um, most of the time. So just a spoiler alert, we are going to be diving into this book in detail. So if you have not read it, go read it and then come back and listen and join our discussion. So uh, what were your overall thoughts, first impressions?
1: Well, I'll say this. I enjoyed reading the book. I have a list of things I liked and a list of things I did not like and the, the like things You know, they definitely outweigh the dislike, but I think that if some of the dislike things were addressed, I would have given it like, you know, a a much higher rating. But um, as it stands now, worth reading, although I was a little bit disappointed at the end. So we'll get into that, I'm sure. Uh,
2: yeah, I, I liked it too, uh, eventually, because it was a uh, slow start. My goodness. But once things actually started happening in terms of a plot, instead of just happening seemingly at random, uh, then then I was much more on board. But it took like 100 pages <laughs> for me to actually start enjoying it.
0: See, I actually felt the opposite. I felt sucked into it from the beginning. And I was really excited to see where it went. And then it started to get really repetitive, kind of in the middle, like the same kind of things like, okay, every so often Luke comes to visit her, her demon buddy. (laughs) And then we go to a new place and they don't remember her. And so it started to feel a bit redundant at times. And one of the biggest complaints that I saw when I was looking at other reviews of this book is that she is given this huge gift, right? To be able to live forever, but she doesn't really take advantage of being able to travel, see all these things. Like that's the one thing she said she wanted was she wanted to be able to like see the world And really, she just kind of keeps going back to the same places over and over again. So that was kind of disappointing. I feel like that could have been explored a lot more.
2: Yeah, especially because, you know, uh, at one point, post-industrial revolution, it would have been much easier for her to go anywhere she wanted, see the pyramids, great wall, like do it all by train or whatever or by plane eventually although it would be hard to get a reservation on a plane you could much more easily hop a train but that's not the point yeah I agree yeah. she she didn't take advantage of it but I also think maybe she didn't necessarily want that I think she didn't know what she wanted she just knew what she didn't want Yeah. So most-
0: do you think that it was kind of an absurd reason to basically sell her soul like oh, I don't want to get married and be a typical wife and have a bunch of kids and be settle down?
1: Well, I don't think I would say it was absurd, but just like in, in other Faustian tales, the person that's doing the, the soul selling, they don't realize what they have and they don't realize what they're going to get. And basically what Addie did was she traded one prison for another prison. She saw that whole marriage thing, raising kids on and this stuff as something that would make her a slave and a prisoner the rest of her life. And what she got and I think this is part of the reason why she didn't become a world traveler and take advantage of this whole extended life thing, is because she was basically in a solitary confinement on Earth. As far as human interaction and relationships, she can't build a relationship with anybody. You, so if somebody's going to forget you as soon as you leave the room, you're a, it's another kind of prison. So going to going to see the pyramids in Paris and the and you know the the Suarez Canal and all that the so going trap well traveling really doesn't mean anything anymore because we all yearn human interaction. We all we're social creatures. No man is an island type deal. So yeah that's that's why that plan fell apart is because she didn't realize she was giving up human relationships basically
2: oh man that's that's so much like the pandemic we all gave up so many human relationships
1: yeah Yeah. Yeah.
2: some of them were
0: probably better off
2: being left behind (laughs) in the before times yeah uh but i will say i think that Something that bothered me about Addie was that mentally she was so modern compared to when she was actually raised. And just her mentality was very, very different from what I would expect from provincial France in the late 1600s. I mean, yes, she she could have more of a feminist bent, but she was, I mean, it would be like if I was suddenly transported there, I'd be like, no, I'm not marrying some stranger and taking care of, no, I'm not doing that. But someone who was born and raised there, I don't know if they would... Have her mentality. She she had no old world habits or ticks, uh, no old world like phrasing. She was just a little too modern.
0: Yeah, it felt like the author's personality in this person. I mean, I don't know what the author's like, but that's what I got as a reader. Like, this isn't necessarily a realistic personality for her. But yeah, I agree. For a modern woman, definitely. And her mindset could have changed. Over the years, but you don't see really that change from the earlier, even though the story's kind of written as her telling it in, in modern days, it still should have had some sort of reflection of how she thought then versus how she thought now.
1: I, yeah, I think that kind of plays into another disappointment I had in the book. And, and maybe I was expecting too much, but she she didn't really seem in, in over 300 years. She didn't really grow any, you know even though you don't get to interact and have a relationship with people, you would think you would pick up some wisdom along the way or, uh, at least a a little bit of a little bit of change from the person that she was. She didn't she didn't seem to change very much at all, except at the end making the sacrifice. Which again, even that sacrifice was something that I was disappointed in the, the way it happened and the way she did it. But it, as a character, even though she was a strong character and she she did move the story in, in a lot of areas, I was disappointed that there was like hardly any growth.
0: Yeah, she just became more manipulative over time. <laughs> like... It's <laughs> a so really uh, a good change <laughs> for you. But yeah, I I felt the same way. And I also felt like really annoyed by her whining and like blaming. Like, I understand what you were saying, uh, James, about how you don't know what you have until it's gone. But she also blamed Luke, like any chance she had, like she like hated him and like blamed him. And it's like, well, you begged, you begged for this. And like, she's taken zero accountability for any of this, and it's like well, you could have just ran away from home, you could have you know gone to live with that like you know strange lady, I forget what her name was <laughs> her her friend that everyone thought was like the witch and like like she could have done something like that. she could have gone to live in the woods, she you know hopped on the train, she ended up having to steal money and, <laughs> and do all this stuff anyway, so. I guess she wasn't thinking for, you know, other options, but if I was in a, in a place where I felt stuck, feel like I would try a lot of things before I would (laughs) try to sell my soul. Like I'm so desperate. Kill your husband. I mean, do anything besides (laughs) sell your soul. (laughs) She could have got married. She could have, there were a lot of other options for her.
2: (laughs) Uh, This podcast does not endorse killing your husband. (laughs)
0: My husband's in the other room. He can hear me.
2: So, so is mine.
1: Wow. Well, you know, that that's some, another point, that interesting point that you bring up, Amber, is that for someone who is, you know, as far as we saw, lived it, lived over 300 years, she's very, very short sighted. She can't see past the next 10 minutes, you know, as far as what she wants and, and how she got where she is, her circumstances and that sort of thing. It's kind of ironic that somebody with such a long lifespan to come, you really can't, doesn't have any foresight past like the next day.
0: Yeah. And I think part of that does have to do with the fact that she doesn't really know what it's going to look like. You know, the second someone forgets her, then she's starting over. So I'm sure that kind of impacts her having to kind of think short term all the time. And I think the only thing she ended up doing in like coming up with as a plan for the long term was trying to figure out how to make her mark through art. And so she did figure that out eventually and and kind of was playing into that a lot. But speaking of that, I thought it was very weird how many famous artists, authors, musicians um, had cameos in this book, especially considering she didn't go many places. (laughs) She didn't. There was another book I read. It was about time traveling, how to stop time by I think it was Matthew Haig. And it was the same thing. Whereas like there were so that person happened to meet so many famous people while traveling. And it's like, well, is that really realistic to meet them. I mean, nowadays, there are so many famous people just because of technology. But 100, 200 years ago, there weren't that many really, really famous people. But it's like, Anytime there's a book about history or time traveling, like someone always means Shakespeare and Beethoven.
2: Yeah, I, that also kind of stood out to me where she just kept being depicted in so many things that, you know, it almost became that one character's art thesis. And I wanted I wanted Addie to be a lot more creative with her problem solving. And she kept not doing things that I came up with. I was like, oh, she's going to do this. And then she would do something lamer than my idea. And I was like, oh, like every time I was so disappointed in her. And then I think I just started getting disappointed in the author because I was like you could have you could have done this. And what did you want her to do? I wanted her to like go to libraries and learn stuff and like be smarter about impersonating people and go to like really crowded parties. Cause she went to like one party in one scene. And I was like, do that all the time. Always be in a crowd so that when people forget you, they'll be like, oh, whatever. There's so many other people here. But she kept getting into like one-on-one situations. I was like, stop it. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah, I agree. Kate, she was she wasn't very she wasn't very wise and she didn't really she didn't strategize much. And in the short term and the long term, I mean, her basic what got her into trouble in the first place is her basic strategy on how to address her life in the first place. So, you know, instead of the runaway and or get married and kill your husband that that Amber suggests, instead (laughs) of doing that, she's out in the woods, you know, praying to little G gods and hoping that. One of them is going to just deliver her instead of taking madness into her own hands.
2: You know what she could have done? Here's what I would have done. Okay. I would have found some old rich person who lives alone, just like drugged them, kept them asleep the whole time and lived in their house, whatever. Like if we're, if we're being immoral, let's go all the way, you know what I'm saying? And like live that way because then you have a, like a house, this is in quotes, heavy, heavy quotes. Then you have a house, like a home and, but it's under someone else's name, but they're not bothering you because, you know, you've done away with them somehow <laughs>
0: right or someone with like dementia
2: yeah I oh. would just blame it yes she yes but the, then you great. run into
0: a problem with you know a nurse or whoever but then she, she would just need to hide during those times yeah when there's yeah. a nurse around or she
2: could have pretended to be the nurse long <laughs> enough that you know say.
1: yeah and even if you get caught oh i have to go to the bathroom You come back, they don't know who you are. Yeah, because they wouldn't know anyway. Yeah. All you have to do is turn a corner and they don't know who you are. That's true.
0: Yeah, I think there's a lot more that could have been done rather than the same kind of scenario repeated over and over again. Like, that's where I was saying it it started to get really redundant. It's like, Mm. okay, well, she went through this again. (laughs)
1: Now, I'd I like to talk about a couple of things that I did. I feel like I'm just bashing this book, <laughs> just talking about all the negatives. Uh, I, and I'm not saying that anything we've said so far is wrong. But one thing I did like is that I knew going in that this was going to be a Faustian tale. And usually when you get that, there's a certain, there's a trope and a formula. You sell your soul to the devil. You know, you, you, you've realized that you made a huge mistake and then there's an intervention from a a godly or holy being that gets you out of it, but after a display of regret or remorse or a yearning to to um, be good instead of bad, and then you're back to normal or you appreciate your life more and everything. This book went Faustian without that trope. They, you know, there was no intervention from high above to get her out of the situation, which I appreciate. I appreciate the fact that Luke, who is labeled as the well, he's the antagonist, but usually they just say Satan or the devil, whatever. They specifically say in say in the book, he says something like, "Oh, I'm I'm bigger than that," or oh, "I'm I am not Satan," and that sort of thing. So you know he's an evil influence, but he's not putting on that red cape and the horns and everything that you imagine. He's he's even deeper than that, and I like that fact about the book. So those are two things that I did like that they didn't just follow a, a path.
2: Yeah, I liked that uh, Luke was very personalized, like he took on the, the face of her drawing and sort of mocked her that way. And, and he, you know, individualized her curse. Uh, you know, I, I thought that he was, he was really well done because he was always creepy and spooky. And then their weird relationship that they got into was also like weird, but also I understood because he was the only one who could remember her, but it was very abusive, (laughs) obviously, because he's evil, but it was, that was really interesting because, uh, that never happened in the traditional Faustian tale.
1: (laughs) Right. I want to ask you specifically a question, Kate, Ooh. about the relationship. Number one, actually, it's a two part question. Number one, did you see it coming? Was it telegraphed? And number two, once you realized it, what was your your gut reaction instinct on that?
2: Uh, yes, I thought it was it was telegraphed because the in one of the future scenes, she had mentioned something in the past about a relationship. I was like, well, there's only one person who it could be. But uh, I forgot the second part of your question.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Um, the second part, the second part was, what was your gut reaction to your realization of that of their relationship?
2: Oh, initially, it was like, mm, this seems like a way that she could get out of it. Like it seems like maybe she was trying to manipulate him to be like, "Don't you love me enough to set me free? But I also like, gross, I wasn't rooting for them to kiss or anything, you know.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, same questions for you, amber. what what do what do you say?
2: Oh, well,
0: I was totally rooting for them
1: <laughs> oh. No.
0: No, (laughs) well, no, I totally saw it coming. And if they didn't go that direction, I would have been disappointed because it it made sense. As Kate said, I mean, she was longing for some sort of connection. He was the only one that could remember her. She drew him out like that was her like fantasy looking person. He's kind of like the mysterious, dark Board, whatever you want to call them, the the bad boy. So, yeah, it definitely felt like there was some tension there and, and chemistry. So I definitely expected for it to happen. And I don't know, it it was kind of, I don't know. It was wrong in so many ways, but it made sense. And it was definitely abusive. It was manipulative on both their parts. But I don't really know if he really had feelings for her. It seemed like at some points he did actually truly have feelings. But again, I don't know if that's because he just has no connection with anybody either. He's never, it sounds like he's never really been with anybody as long like it seems like people's expirations are pretty short so and I don't think he's going to start a relationship with Beethoven (laughs) Um, I don't know I mean is there a scenario where you could have possibly rooted for the two of them to be together if they weren't both actively manipulating each other
2: yes (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there, there could have been a way and it, yeah if they weren't manipulating each other if if especially if Luke had like taken away the curse out of love which it you know would have ruined the whole Henry storyline and Henry is a sweet cinnamon roll and deserves amazing things oh no you made a face oh we're going to fight yay okay so anyway <laughs> Yeah, I could see myself rooting for that kind of relationship in a book. What's that one series? What's that one? The one with she makes light and he makes darkness and it's Russia, but it's not Russia. Shadow and Bone, Lee Bardugo. There mm-hmm. we go. Uh, before I knew the Darkling was manipulating Lena, I was like, oh, yeah, get together. This is This is cute. This is fun. And then he ended up being like super evil. And I was like, no, Ben Barnes, why? Because I prefer the Netflix series. I guess I don't remember reading the book much. That was a long tangent, sorry. So I could see a world in which that could happen, but um, but then Henry would have been irrelevant. So that would have been a bummer.
1: Yeah, my feelings on that, is there a scenario where I would have been, you know, happy with that relationship? Um, I'm kind of the opposite. I think that the only way I would be happy with that relationship is, is if they continue to manipulate each other and play that chess game playing off each other until the end of time because they kind of deserve each other, you know, as far as um manipulation and and badness and and poor decisions and mistakes. But like you said, Kate, it would nullify Henry, a character I really, really liked. And I wanted him to be a, a bigger factor anyway in the end. Anyway, they just they just they just castrated him at the end. It's just like he I mean he's he's got this book thing going on, but that but that's it. It was just so sad and disappointing his outcome. Everybody's outcome was really disappointing, but you know they they kind of give you that glimmer of hope that she's gonna you know figure it out and break away from Luke and everything. I would have I would have been better off without that glimmer of hope. Just have them entangle with each other till the end of time. The trumpet sound and the world ends or whatever because they they deserve what they get from each other.
0: I partially agree with that. I I think that well, Luke is what he is by nature. I mean. He, I don't think he necessarily chose to be, and I mean, we don't know his backstory, but I, I would assume that he didn't choose to be a, a demon or evil or whatever. I don't know how do you how do you do that? I'm sure there's some backstory that she may have come up with that didn't she just didn't share. But but anyway, he is what he is by nature, and she should have expected that. And I guess we could have rooted for him to change, but I wasn't really expecting that. But I did find the sections between the two of them to be really interesting to read. And Henry was just really incredibly boring.
1: (laughs) No. (laughs) Oh, my goodness.
2: Yeah, those were fighting words. (laughs) (laughs) Well, then let's talk about Henry. Uh, Did you guys see his reveal as also being cursed? Did you see that coming?
1: Um, Yes, I, I, I saw that telegraph, especially... When he when he remembered Addie and I kinda that Heart was a little bit telegraphed too. The fact that he remembered her, and I said, "Well, there must be some kind of connection between them that allows him to remember her." And of course, that's Luke. They both have deals with the same entity, and I think that's part of the reason why that that worked out. So I, I you know, I kind of saw that part coming, but I, I did have a, you know, I was questioning myself. Okay, she's got to get out of. They have to. They have to be able to save each other somehow. I was seeing a totally different ending to the book because in a good story, you know, there's a there's a point where all hope is lost is no way anything's going to work out and then it works out but it has to work out in some way that's believable works with the story and you see and it's a great triumph and everything the book had none of that so (laughs) i was i was hoping to make a connection between henry and his situation and i knew that it was going to be a clock on it since hers was forever his had to have a clock on it and the way they reduced it to a year and everything you know kind of saw that coming too But I'm thinking, you know, there's got to be some way that this all works out. And I'm disappointed in the way it worked out. I think it should have been different. And I have no suggestions as to how it should have. But, uh, you know, here we are.
0: Yeah, I definitely saw it coming. I feel like this book was really heavy handed on the foreshadowing as a whole, (laughs) So a lot of the big reveals, except the very ending I saw coming. Um, And as soon as he had his own section, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, he's for sure in the same boat. I didn't know if it would be Luke's doing or not. I didn't know how many people there were like him. Um, but, But yeah, I don't know. Henry was just so boring. And I don't think she loved him. I think that she only... I think she only cared about him because he was the only one that could remember her that wasn't evil. And so she kind of took pity on him. She was like a million years old and he was this like little kid. And she kind of was like, oh, you're cute. I guess I'll keep you like a pet cat. Like that's how I saw him.
1: Okay. Uh, America <laughs> even the
0: audiobook even the audiobook the narrator when he was doing the voices for Luke was way more entertaining than Henry. Henry was just kind of like mopey and like, oh, pity me, I'm so sad. <laughs>
1: America, I have to tell you that I'm, I'm I'm holding my hands to my face and weeping and rending my garments off of off of Amber's comments about poor Henry. But uh, go go ahead. save save us Kate
2: okay so normally I really hate the ancient being young person relationships I think they're gross hands down Twilight (laughs) why would someone so old be like I will date the youngest legal person that I can find (laughs) no thank you but Addie like we said earlier wasn't changing over time. She wasn't getting wiser. She wasn't getting more creative. She was just sort of staying the static person that she was. And so to me, it was believable that she would like henry and yes okay she might have clung to him because he could remember her but they had some legitimate connections they were both a little bit like lost in their lives with like what am i doing where's the direction that i'm going that quarter life crisis that for had lasted like 200 years you know they they could bond over that and she sort of gave him a little bit of direction and helped him out of some depression and her presence made him a better person. And his presence made her a better person because she had a very low bar. <laughs> um, you know, she was, he wasn't her cat. <laughs> you, you don't have sex with your cat. <laughs> well, I would hope not.
1: <laughs> that could be painful for, for everybody involved. Yeah. Um...
0: So you think he that she actually loved him? Yeah. Like love, love, not just like, okay, like you're a good person and and I can see spending time with you. Like, I think she, she loved, loved him, him as
2: much as she was capable. How about uh, that? I,
1: I have to agree with that because Amber, think about it. I mean, she if she didn't love him, she would not have done what she did for him in the end. Cause you know, she she was in a basically a stalemate with Luke. She didn't have to bargain with, Luke. I mean, she was willing to, to give up everything. She was ready to surrender for Henry. And there's, there's nothing else other than that. You know, you can't go any bigger. So, yeah, she definitely did love him and showed it.
0: I don't know, but I feel like her decision at the end was kind of selfish because she knew she was like writing this book with him and like that. Like, all she really wanted was to be seen. So like her getting this book was like a huge deal. And like that kind of made things worth it. And she was going to lose him. like She knew she wasn't going to get him back no matter what. So like get him to stay. He was going to be gone. I don't know. I I didn't really see her doing it because she loved him, I think. She did it because she didn't really have another choice and she cared about him as a person.
2: She thought he was a really good person, but I don't think it was love. I mean, but I, I agree with James because there were so many of those repetitive scenes where she was like, I'm not giving up. I'm not, you can't have me demon man. And you know, she, she could have sacrificed herself for Beethoven. She didn't do that. He seemed nice she could have sacrificed herself for somebody else that they all seemed like very nice devil deal makers but she did it for henry it it makes a big difference
0: but they also spent a lot of time together so it could be like a really good friendship like if you had a best friend if you had nobody
2: (laughs) (laughs) they were having sex amber you love somebody yeah but they're more than a friend (laughs) friends and benefits (laughs) we
1: we should we should keep something in mind the the deal that she actually got was not was was less than what she offered she offered to you know lose the game but luke you know changed the circumstances you know just you know be with me i guess so she was willing to give up more than she actually did and she also
0: liked luke i feel like she cared about luke more than she cared about henry that's no. what that's what <laughs> no. pissed me off is that she
1: actually had that relationship with him and it meant something to her. That just that disappointed me and pissed me off. They, we could have done without that, and it would have made her uh, attempt to sacrifice for Henry more more potent, and then Amber wouldn't be questioning us. <laughs>
0: Well, she definitely had more
2: chemistry with Luke than with Henry. Oh, but it's tainted because he had all yeah, the course. power. She had none of the powers. Oh, so it's abuse. 100%. Abusive.
0: It's abuse. That's and... not chemistry. That's not chemistry. <laughs> wow. Well, anyway, I didn't like Henry. I didn't say I liked Luke, but I didn't like Henry <laughs> for sure. And I definitely didn't need all of his chapters. I feel like maybe I would have been rooting for him more if we didn't get so much of his perspective because I was also not... Expecting this book to have multiple perspectives when it's a book
2: about Addie Larue. He was brought in very late. Yeah, as he was. A second he
1: was brought in. He was brought in very late, and I think for me, what a factor was Ve's writing style. Ve seemed to describe things two and three times when you're like, okay, I get it. I get it. It was a big room. Okay, I get it. It was a dark forest. She, you know, she had to say things like you know three and four times. So when it gets to the Henry chapters. I think it's important that we needed to have that that time in those chapters to figure out, you know, what drives somebody to want to jump off the side of a building. You know, that's not something you can carry. You know, you can't cover that in the in one chapter. But the way she writes these chapters make you feel like you you know, three chapters feel like six or seven. So it, it feels like too much. But um, I mean, I think that the insight into Henry was necessary for him to mean something to what. I guess it was it only worked on being Kate <laughs> as far as being <laughs> something to us.
2: Yeah, I think uh, so. This author also writes as Victoria Schwab. She has a ton of books out. And I think she gets away with a lot of what we think of as like sins in a book because she's produced so much that her editor, the publisher, her agent probably just trust her to do anything because she's got a legion of fans that will buy it if her name is on it. Uh, and I'm not saying that she writes poorly. I'm saying she can get away with things that debut authors could never dream of getting away with, for better or for worse. And uh in this case some of those things were worse.
0: So in my head, how I saw this ending, and I don't know how it would have worked or if it was even possible. I didn't I don't remember it being discussed as not being possible. But what I thought was that she was going to end up getting pregnant and then her kid was going to be her like her love, like her true love to go through life with.
2: Okay, wait. Can we talk how did she not get pregnant for 200 years because like statistically speaking.
1: Well here's the here's the thing and I might be overthinking this, but wounds were not long term. You know, beatings were not long term physically. So it seemed like her body was in some kind of magical stasis where the, it didn't allow any change to that stasis part. And, and um you ladies know better than me, pregnancy is a big change. <laughs> and there's this no. pain involved. <laughs> you know, stuff like that. So she wasn't magically, she wasn't allowed to go through any kind of uh, change of metamorphosis like that. So she had the ultimate yeah. birth control.
0: That actually Satan's makes a lot birth of controls. Sense. <laughs> Just do a deal with the devil. That's all you need to do. But then that makes a lot of sense. I guess I just would have wished that that would have been at least mentioned in passing. And maybe it's because I'm pregnant. But that was like the thought that kept going through my head was like, well, what if she got pregnant? Would the kid be able to age? Would the kid remember her? I mean, I I don't know. But but I thought that was going to kind of be the loophole that we ended up finding like, okay, Henry's clock expired, but he lived on because she was pregnant. And then that was her her connection. And maybe, maybe that baby did remember her because Henry could remember her. I don't know, but that's just what maybe I was hoping or thinking could happen.
1: Well, I'll say this about that ending. I like your, I don't know how to work it out ending better than the actual ending. That's how I (laughs) felt about the ending.
0: Yeah. I liked the book idea. I thought that was really interesting because they did really talk about the themes of like, how can you be remembered when people can't remember you through art and, and finding these loopholes? So I did think that that was really interesting, but as far as like the deal and the trade... I don't know. Yeah. Like, like you said, James, I can't think of really another trade or better solution, but.
2: I, I kind of assumed once it was well-established that Luke was also the, the one that made a deal with Henry that one of them would trade their life for the other. It didn't feel as climactic as I wanted it to feel, maybe because Addie didn't tell Henry until basically she was halfway gone. I don't know. I guess I wanted more from it. And instead, you know, it was it was less cinematic than I had hoped for. And there were other big cinematic moments. So I had thought it was coming. And then it just like, uh, by the way, I traded myself. Bye. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I'm. It's. It, I think that near the end of the book, it seemed like we were trapped in the cul-de-sac. As far as you know, how it was gonna have to end because you know, Henry had nothing to trade. I mean, Luke was gonna get his soul and he they had an agreement, the, the clock was running out, that he had absolutely no leverage. The person with almost all the leverage was Addie with Luke. So, you know, she's gotta make a deal with him. But you in a story like this, and I I know this might be a little bit too Disney plus, but you want their love to kind of in. Dure and and work out. Yeah, that's what you're looking for. She's supposed to be the protagonist. He's her love interest. It's supposed to work out somehow. And you wonder how it's just going to work out. Well, and the answer in this book is it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it doesn't work out. And you get this sliver of possible hope that maybe she'll outsmart. She'll she'll outsmart Luke in some way, and she thinks she's got him all figured out in some way. Break her deal with him and be able to get back to Henry. But that kind of reminds me of that, that far side comic where this is, you know, this, this professor at a chalkboard and he's got all these calculations on one side. And then in the middle, it says, and then something magical happens. And then at the end is the answer. It's like we just expected to fill in that blank. It's a little bit too much for us to fill in, I think, the way she left it. And I don't like that.
0: I don't have a problem with it not being like a happily ever after ending with her, Henry but I clearly am biased because I didn't really think they were true loves anyway but um, (laughs) I definitely felt like it left something to be desired at the end I think there's a lot I I think I could have been happy with an ending where they weren't together just not this ending
2: (laughs) I would have been happy if they both died, too. I'll put that one out there. Like if Henry died because his, you know, deal came and then Addie just looked over at Luke and was like, all right, take me, too. I'm done. Like, can't do it anymore. You finally, finally broke me. And then Luke would have been like, ha ha, that was my plan the whole time. Boop. And then that's the end. Like, I I also could have seen that working out like a Romeo and
1: Juliet thing. That's the answer. That's the ending. That's the ending. That should have been You nailed it. Rewrite the book. Go ahead, Kate. I'll do my best.
0: <laughs> well, I just hope that with Luke now she actually goes and explores the world a bit more and and does some of the things oh I have to mention because I saw this mentioned in pretty much every critical review that there was no mention of slavery or colonization at all in the book and that should have played at least some role in her experiences and it was a very non-diverse book in that way and that was like the biggest complaint that I saw across the board like anyone that was criticizing it they were like yeah not just the, the not traveling but just not really aware of anything outside like of her bubble. They talked a little bit about one of the wars, I think, but it didn't even really go into it. It just kind of like brushed over all that that stuff. I mean, I guess they couldn't go into every detail because it wasn't really about those things. It was about the relationships, but it just had to be mentioned.
1: Well, speaking as a black man in America, I... I, I get that argument. The damn thing's 442 pages, okay? So she I guess she you could have worked it in, but the, I think the, the story's long enough. And this particular story really didn't need to be about that, in my humble opinion.
2: You know what I would read, though? I would read a spin-off novella about her time as that it was a World War II spy for France. I would read that novella. See,
0: that didn't even make sense to
2: me that how is she getting anybody to trust her? her if they can't remember oh, no. her they she probably done. just was like listening into conversations just walk through a room they'll forget you were there but you'll but, overhear something important but who's yeah, well, she telling who's, yeah, who's but, gonna trust what she's saying here's, oh. here's the
1: thing though here's the thing though her first few times as a spy you know when you're when you're heading up the spy so you're trying to win a war you don't care who brings you the information you care about results so if she says you know here's here's the information the troop movements they're going to be at this time at that place this place you, you win this battle with this information. And they do. They don't care if it's a, a faceless stranger bringing them this information. It worked. So I can see how she can have success with that.
0: But they won't even remember her. Like, how would they even remember what they what she
2: told them if she was like, hey, write this down?
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, his, yeah, she would have to tell them to write it down because she could do it herself. She can't leave a mark. She can't write anything down. And then they'll be
0: like, am I losing my mind? Where did this come from? It's in my handwriting. Writing, and then they wouldn't trust it. Like, yeah. was but this in- a hallucination? <laughs> This as
2: is why I would as, read the novella because yeah, that's a, we want another
1: know. <laughs> novella because you know you have to be skilled. She would have to be skillful and inventive on how to get this information across because she said she spied. She didn't say that somebody supervised her or knew who she was. I mean, obviously they couldn't, but she had to, she did get herself across as a model in art. She did get herself across as you know an influence in other ways. But folks, it, it would have been inventive to to um see how she handled being a spy. I mean, I can imagine it happening. You know, with her powers, and she would, and once you overcome the transfer of information hurdle, well, man, you're the perfect spy. You get to hear everything, and nobody even knows that you heard it. You know, after you're done spying, so it's almost it's almost unfair. (laughs) She would be cheating.
0: Well, Be Schwab, go ahead and write that novella.
2: (laughs) If she if she listens to this podcast, I feel like she wouldn't make it this far because we've been pretty critical.
1: But if right. you did, but V.E., if you did make it this far, please, darling, please, um, less exposition. OK, I get it. The forest was dark.
2: <laughs> it's well written, though. We all knew what was happening at any given moment, to be fair. That's true. Yeah.
1: That's absolutely
2: true. Very clear. Mm-hmm. And and it worked
0: really well as an audio book, too. Like it it read really well, which you can't say the same thing for every book. <laughs> if you were to read it out loud, you're like, oh, that. Sounds good. But yeah, so with all that said, I did enjoy the book and I'm glad we read it. But I do have to ask strong female. Yes or no?
2: Yes. I didn't like her necessarily, but she was a strong female character. She made a lot of decisions for herself. She made the decision to call for the demon. She made the decision to make the deal. She solved problems in you know maybe not the best way but she did it she had a lot of agency she was very uh sex positive with herself eventually after you know the first time she was like not happy with it but yeah eventually and you know she did try to find a way to make her mark long term which was good i guess (laughs) what a terrible way to describe that uh, but you know, I she she acted on the plot. She influenced things. She made choices. She chose to sacrifice herself at the end, even though maybe we didn't necessarily like that choice. But I think she was uh, she was pretty strong. We knew her personality well. She wasn't two dimensional or anything. So I think that counts strong female character.
1: Okay. Um... I guess if it was an actual award I had to hand to someone I would have my head would be bowed and say, Here you go, I guess you deserve this <laughs> because of you know all the things Kate pointed out, yeah, that's all true, but I think we would have to follow that up with the Queen windy But award because you know <laughs> it was. It was all the all the all the bitching and complaining about something that she did to herself. Basically, she I mean, she did. So she was warned beforehand. These after dark gods do not mess with them. Was it it, her name? Estelle? Estelle said, don't be doing this. And I I get it in a book like this. There's always the warning. They don't heed the warning. But after you don't heed the warning. should have that realization I screwed myself (laughs) as opposed to this is somebody else's fault or I'm going to blame Luke for centuries no if there was at least a thought in her head about I did this to myself I would be better with it but circling back to strong female character yeah I guess she's one
0: yeah I would say by the end she had a little bit more intention with what she was doing but I agree that she was like pity me pity me whiny 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 how could you do this to me when really it was her and she took no no like she didn't take any credibility for it and it was really frustrating as a reader um but i do think by the end she started to have more agency rather than just kind of hanging out in the same places and just doing what she needed to do to survive basically i don't know that that necessarily means she's strong in the beginning because she she really probably would have just given up if she couldn't survive no matter what happened to her. Like if she went long periods of time without eating, she wouldn't die. She would just be starving and in pain. Uh, so then at that point it's like, well, yeah, you have to eat. You have to figure out a way to eat. So beyond doing what she needs to do to survive, for a long time, she didn't really do a whole lot. Um, So I would say by the end, she was more of a strong character and a strong female. And of course, she took things into her own hands by the the end. But yeah, I think I agree with you, James, If, if she had at any point in the book said, okay, I did this to myself, it would have made the entire book more enjoyable.
2: I agree with that too.
0: But overall, thoughts, what was your rating?
1: Uh, so I know it sounds like from this podcast that I'm <laughs> about to rate it a half a star, <laughs> but. Um, like Kate pointed out earlier, it's it actually is a well-written uh, book. There was a whole lot about the story that I thought was original and didn't fall into the Faustian traps that are in front of an author when you take on something like this. So I give it three stars out of five and would recommend it with a warning to take it. Any friend of mine who's going to read it, I'd be like, you know, settle down. It's over 400 pages and she says a lot of stuff twice.
2: Yeah. So interestingly, the book I read immediately after this was uh, Gods of Jade and Shadow by Sylvia Moreno Garcia. We read her Mexican Gothic and it had an extremely similar thing happen with a girl makes a deal with basically the devil. He's not necessarily the devil. He was like an Aztec god of the dead. Close enough. Uh, they go on some journeys together. There's some romance between them. So having two very similar books back to back, it made me compare them. And I do think this book is better. (laughs) Sorry, Gods of Jade and Shadow. But uh, this one was just, it it was better written, I think. And it might just be because uh, V.E has been at this uh, for a while, very experienced author. So you're you're in good hands when you read this book and it's enjoyable eventually. I'm going to knock off an entire star because it took me until like page 100 or 150 to be like, oh, here's the plot. There we go. And maybe another half star just because I kept getting so frustrated with Addie herself, not just that she wouldn't take accountability, but she wasn't being as creative or or exciting as someone who lives that long should be. Uh, You know, she just... Stayed mentally the same, which wasn't even time period appropriate. So, okay, I'm going to give it three and a half stars. I would give it three, but the half is because it's very well written. Uh, And that makes up for me being so mad at at Addie.
0: Well, first of all, I am impressed that you read that book after reading Mexican Gothic, which we did an episode on and we all hated it. And it was horrifyingly disgusting. And I hope that that book was not anything like that because I'm in another book club and they are still going on about the mushrooms (laughs) like six months later. It's just an ongoing conversation. So props, because I'm going to avoid every book she ever writes from now on.
2: It's super different, actually. Very different.
0: No mushrooms. No No mushrooms. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe, but probably not. I think I'm traumatized. (laughs) Anyway, back to this book. I did enjoy it. We had a lot of complaints, but overall as I was going through it, I was enjoying it, especially listening to the audiobook, which I find when you're not enjoying a book, like it's it's a lot easier to like put it down when you're reading it and not want to pick it back up but with an audiobook. It's like kind of like forced to just keep listening to it. Like you can't just put it down. Like you, you could space out a little bit, but um, but it was enjoyable to listen to throughout. So I would give it a four stars because because of that, like at no point was I like, oh, I can't continue to read this book. I had some complaints, but except for the very end, I I enjoyed most most things about it. So um, I would still recommend it to people, especially people who like that kind of magical realism, uh,
2: taboo relationship kind of book. Twilight fans where are you at is, is the taboo relationship with Addie and her pet cat <laughs> of a man or between the devil and Addie
0: yes <laughs> so anyway uh with all that said uh next episode, we will be talking about The Last Day by Ann Reitz. So make sure to read that so you can join in on our discussion. But thank you all for listening in and reach out if you have any additional comments about the book and want to say uh, Team Henry or or Team Luke. Team Henry. (laughs) Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Judging More Than Just the Cover podcast. I'm Amber Gregg. Join us next month to see what we thought of another best-selling book with a strong female main character. The chat doesn't end here. Let us know your thoughts in the comment area or connect with us on social media. Enjoyed the show? Share the love. Give us a review, like, follow, and a share with your friends. Find more reviews, discussions, and articles related to publishing, writing, and editing on judgingmorethanjustthecover.com or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Until next time, peace out.